Okay. Am I though? No. Do you start recording? No. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> no. You don't even have to. Pr- I don't have to press the mouse down for it to record. Yeah, I know. You hit the space bar. No, I can just like tap my mouse pad. And oh yeah. Record. And but I still can tell when you do it because you're like. My hand goes all the way in, up in the air. I touch the ceiling, and then it comes back just down like and just lands. Big, like do a big like burpee, like oh, oh, and like a little jive, and then like I oh, throw a feather in the air. I blow it, and then it just <laughs> gently glides down and lands on the. And you're like Chris. Were you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey girl, welcome hey to my girl. podcast. Thank you, thank you. Or uh, your podcast too. I mean, it's our podcast. Welcome to a podcast that someone owns, and we're not certain who it is. <laughs> Welcome to a podcast that actually Thomas owns, and we're just leasing <laughs> we're, it. Yeah, we just come on here, and we're just the entertainment. <laughs> actually, it's true story. <laughs> the Thomas Variety Hour featuring Spencer and Chris. There you go. <laughs> but we're changing the name. <laughs> Season two, we're changing the name. <laughs> Thomas Variety Hour? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. just going to put that on the shirt. In the same logo, though. We have to do the same logo. Ooh, Ooh. Thomas Variety Hour. Ooh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick little pause. So I was like, okay, I'll wait until the we, oh, the next time that we record. Well, as a present. <laughs> if it, that was insulting, guess what I did? Did you buy him cheese? <laughs> I just sent him the store to buy it. He <laughs> can't have it. I love that. Because he likes the like, aged cheddar that I like as well. At least I've seen him eat him yeah, a lot. Um, so that's why I was like, oh, I'm going to get him that as like a little gift. But then... I was like, oh, wait, I think it's insulting to, like, bring it to him beforehand. Even though in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll give it to him now because, like, I'm not going to see him probably until, like, next week anyways. So, but then I was like, oh, wait, he still can't have it. So it's just sitting there for two days without being able to eat it. So. <laughs> and meanwhile, me in the fridge like a rat. <laughs> <laughs> we like a little mouse cheese, don't we? <laughs> Listen, the only thing that's able to be eaten here right now is canned goods. No, there's plenty of stuff in there. There's also... Pizza from last night. Pizza. <laughs> Pizza. From when we recorded our Rupee podcast because we didn't wait we, until the last minute to listen, record it. <laughs> we put a lot of time and effort and space between our episodes. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the reason why these two are coming out, uh, I mean, that one came out. That one. <laughs> four days ago. <laughs> three, three days, days ago. ago. <laughs> uh, is because we needed plenty of time to think about the topics for of this. Of course, thing. of course, of course. And especially when Thomas asked us on, on our sassy hour, like, oh, what are you guys doing next week? And we were just like, I don't know. Uh, well, um, yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're I just decided. Talking about this. spoopy things? That's <laughs> this, the title of the podcast. I didn't just decide this topic three hours beforehand. It's fine. <laughs> I always consider very greatly at great lengths what I want to do next. And. I then research it very heavily for two weeks beforehand, and then I do it, you know? I mean, I'm literally on the computer. I mean, you guys think Thomas is on the computer a long time, Mm -hmm. from sunup to sundown, Mm -hmm. and then for four more hours after sundown. Mm -hmm. Me, 24 hours, baby. 24 hours. You you think I'm sleeping? sleeping? (laughs) 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 Murder. It really Chernobyl. scares Thomas because he's laying in bed and I just yell murder. Yeah. He's like, is it? Is this, is this, this happening? Is this it time? Is this it? Is this it? Has it hit me? The random pains in your body. John Wayne Gacy. 
Oh, Je- okay. Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> it's not me. He's just streaming. But at the same time, you're also typing. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> I love that. I love that She's power. She's multi-talented. <laughs> That's why you are our host of our Swoopy Podcast. I mean, and then of I'm Thomas's Variety Hour. <laughs> the host with guest star Chris. Yes. And also host Savannah, who's never here. <laughs> Featured primarily, or, or F-E-A-T, feet. Feet. Feet us. us. Feet Spoopy Podcast. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Thomas's Variety Hour featuring Spoopy Podcast. Guest appearances by Chris featuring <laughs> Savannah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a long logo. I think. I we mean, can, well, it gets we should put it on hats. It down. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like <laughs> it's like a triangle. Yeah, it just says Chris down. It's like the Thomas's very bottom. variety hour. <laughs> no, Thomas's variety hour <laughs> <laughs> featuring our speed podcast. <laughs> yes, starring Chris. <laughs> you don't it's even like, finish the words. It's just like that noise. It's like sizzles off. It's like a weird wispy thing. Uh, I'm kind of like envisioning this logo now. And then ellipses. <laughs> Just that. S ellipses. <laughs> That's all you get. Wow. I love that. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Hi. we've got a lot to go through. So do you want to just go ahead and get started or do you have something else to say first? Um, just wanted to say... <sighs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> to me or other people? Everyone. Oh. Everyone in the world. Oh, my God. I'm actually included? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Bye. I'll that now. Okay. <laughs> Everybody but you in okay. the world. Bye. <laughs> Shout out to Ivignida uh, <laughs> Kosovova yeah. in, in uh, Kazakhstan. Uh-huh. Shout out. Shout out. Um, also, if your name is what he just said, please message us on rstbpodcast at gmail.com. Boris <laughs> Natasha. Of uh, Kosovo. Oh, Kovoso? Kovoso? Kovoso. Kosovo. Uh, I don't know. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Mary from, from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. <laughs> we love you. A- any of them. Keep, any Marys in Albuquerque. Thank you. Mary, keep keep knitting those, those dolls because they are terrifying. That is truly your one talent. That's all you got. That's the only talent That's you it. have. And we, you should really consider getting another one, but I'm happy that you hey, have, you have you one. Hey, you could sew masks right now if you wanted to. Hey. Hey. She doesn't know how. Okay. Well, I feel like if you can knit full-on dolls, you should be able to figure out a mask. Shout out to Luann. <laughs> <laughs> Who in, is? Uh, Oklahoma. Princeton, Oklahoma. Princeton, Oklahoma. Don't uh, you know her? The, oh, yeah. Yeah, Luann's my good bud. Yeah. yeah. Don't you have a topic about her? <gasps> that was the most, the, the best segue. That was a very intense segue, I have to admit. Listen, <laughs> it took a while, but we got there. That, that is true. So that why is don't true. you tell me about Luann? Let's get started. Let's get started. So my topic today is a topic that actually scares both me and Spencer, Terrifying. which is very entertaining to me because there's very little that scares Spencer because he is the one who brought me into this podcast with the whole premise of scaring the shit out of me. And let me tell you, the number of murders and crazy things that I've dreamt about, Demons, is everything that I've bosses. dreamed about is um, not great. <laughs> so here we are almost a full year later, which I wanted to talk about before we get started because we're coming up on our first one year because we released our first episode on May 17th of 2019. And here we are almost a full year later. So we still are still doing it. We're still talking. Still doing it. Still doing it. And if you don't like our talking anymore, 
You can get the fuck over it because it's our podcast and not yours. <laughs> Literally, but please listen. But please listen because we love you. Um, we also love whenever we hear from our fans, whether or not you are a fan of our Ruby podcast, or if you are just, uh, if you're just a fan of our Ruby podcast, listen to our other podcast, our Spoopy podcast, because that's the real start of all this shit. Um, so, uh, no, we were first. That was what I'm saying. Spoopy podcast was the start of Ruby podcast. Oh, okay. For, for some reason, I felt you say, let's talk about gay stuff. I did not say, not let's true. talk about gay stuff yet. <laughs> that's not true. But it's a it good plug right now. But we were first. We were first. You're right. <laughs> because I have all the great ideas. And then Thomas thinks about them longer and makes them better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly what happened. You were like, like, I want to do a podcast. Let's and Thomas start was right like, now. You should do gay stuff. And we're like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to go do our own thing. I have my own ideas with <laughs> blackjack and hookers. So me, I'm the hooker. Hooker? No, you're the blackjack. Oh. Hooker? Kennedy. Mm. Kennedy! Kennedy! He's high out of his mind. You want to know why? CBD. Baked bones. Baked bones. We love them. Um, Yo, baked bones is lit. Yeah. Because um, you want to take a listen to us on uh, Tuesday, mm -hmm. we've got a treat for you. We do. Coming Literal you treat. <laughs> <laughs> Total entendre. Uh, coming to you sponsored by Baked Bones. Mm -hmm. so. Our Sassy Hour is sponsored. Up. I love that. Sassy sponsors. <laughs> yes. So our Sassy Hour is on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Central Time. So if you are listening from another time zone, we love you and we thank you. Um, go on Facebook Live. Uh, at that time, you can listen to all of your guests. Uh, I'm sorry, all of your hosts of the, the podcast, Listen Works podcast from the Listen Works Network. podcast, which is Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. So we got Tony, Kendall, and Thomas, and then our Swoopy podcast. You've got me, Chris, and, and yours Spencer. truly, Spencer. There you go. Um, so please give us a listen because we would love that. Hey, and we are love you bored in your house and you want friends to hang out with? Just come listen. Honestly. Because then you can interact with us as well. That's what I love about like Facebook Lives because you can interact with people that are on there and like we if we see them which i've been trying to watch like on the thing so we can actually like respond to them but so far no one has like said anything that's like beyond just saying like hi <laughs> so like interact with whatever you want to say about whatever topics we're talking about listen if you come on and you ask kendall to call you fat and sassy he will do it just guarantee eating bread and getting all fat, fat and, and sassy, sassy. <laughs> we're gonna make lots of soups <laughs> And bread and get all fat and sassy. So, anyways, uh, shout out to Luann in Oklahoma, Princeton, Oklahoma, uh, because I'm going to talk about uh, something that's near and dear to your heart. No, it's not. I'm. <laughs> it's probably not. Should not be. It's literally, absolutely not. It's not. We're going to talk about tornadoes today, but not just any tornadoes, because there's a lot of tornadoes out there. And let me tell you, the research that I was doing today um, led me down a funnel. <laughs> To nowhere. <laughs> Funnel cloud to nowhere. You love my puns. <laughs> um, I'm actually muting your mic right okay. now. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm going to talk about the 2011 super tornado outbreak. So if there's anyone out there that remembers this outbreak, because I do, I remember it being all over the news during college times. College times. When I was in college. <laughs> Back in the college <laughs> times, 1922. <laughs> we had a great. 2011, dang old. Had a wonderful. <laughs> Listen, let me talk about 2011, honey. Back in the day, oh my You God. could buy 14 pocky uh, Japanese breadsticks from the world market. From the world market for $2. <laughs> Which nowadays it's $2. For $2. <laughs> well, honestly, right now. Honestly. Oh. 
Cut to <laughs> 10 months later, $400 Four. for a pass. <laughs> talk about inflation, which we will in this podcast. We have a lot to talk about, okay? Let's get started, okay? Yay! So I'm going to talk about the 2011 tornado super outbreak, but what the fuck is a super outbreak? Let me tell you. So an outbreak refers to the number of tornadoes normally greater than 6 to 10 uh, to spawn from a large-scale weather system. They called it a synoptic scale weather system, but I figured that a lot of people didn't know what that meant, and I went through and read this entire thing, and I still didn't know what it, still didn't know what it meant, but basically it means like one big line of storms, um, from what I understood. However, in these big lines, so like when a cold front comes through, you know how there's like, you can see it on like the weather map where there's like a whole bunch of storms? Yeah, I'm just referring it to the word synopsis, and it's, I mean, I, yeah, I guess that's a detailed list of what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this, however, is different than a tornado outbreak sequence, which refers to a specific period of time that has continuous or almost, uh, or almost continuous tornadic activity over several days or lack of a few days between or a few days between tornadoes that come from multiple weather systems so you can have a cold front come through and then another cold front come through like a few days later and like cause all this like shit to happen and lots of tornadoes and that will be a full sequence but those are One two separate outbreaks synoptic. correct yeah yeah so then like that an outbreak is just the first wave so like for example what i'm going to talk about we have two different sets of tornadoes that happened about three weeks apart and that would be a weather sequence not a or an outbreak sequence not a full outbreak um but i'll get into that six pages from now um, so <laughs> here we are um so you may also hear the word tornado family mentioned which is uh, a number of tornadoes that comes from just one storm cell so within a synoptic weather cell i'm sorry weather a, a synoptic scale system you can have multiple um, cells, storm cells, that can create our tor tornado family. Does that, do all these terms make sense? So, <clears throat> sequence, synoptic, family. Correct. And so it's a sequence, outbreak, and then family. Yeah. Okay. So we got an outbreak, sequence, outbreak, and then family. So those are like two different things, essentially. You can forget the synoptic scale system. That's like a technical term that I just kind of threw out there. Okay. So we got... Sequence, outbreak, family. Correct. Yeah. So kind of a, the scale down. Um, so then what makes a super outbreak is basically when it breaks records from what I, from what I found. Uh, so it consists of multiple tornadoes that are stronger than an EF4 classification. What does EF mean? Let me tell you. Something Fujita. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me answer the question first. What is a tornado? Um, there is a heck of a lot of description about tornadoes. Their morphology, their appearance, their Wait, shapes. Wait, I can't see this PowerPoint slide. Can you... <laughs> Can you focus it a little bit? <laughs> uh, their colors, etc. But for all intensive purposes, I'm only going to explain what a tornado is, period. Wait, did you say intensive purposes? Inclusive. Intensive? No. Because it's not intensive purposes. It's all intents and purposes. Common literary mistake. Then that is a common literary mistake. Oh, wait. Commonly misheard phrase for all intents and purposes. See, if I had just right clicked on this it would have told me that and i wouldn't have sounded stupid on this podcast but i do that all the time you're welcome milady milady <laughs> period so period says. i also wrote it and it says period with a t period yes! i did that in mine too yes. so the title of this podcast period, period. no it's the thomas variety the thomas variety hour period yes <laughs> <laughs> a tornado is a rapidly rotating column of wind that connects the ground, sorry, connects the ground to a cumulonimbus cloud or rather a strong thunderstorm. 
Um, there are many different types, for example, water spells, but we will just focus on the rating system known as the Fujita scale or the enhanced Fujita scale. I always thought that this was based... It's, pro it's pronounced fajita. fajita. I can't stand it. No, Fajita has an A. This is a U. Oh, oh. <laughs> fajita. Oh. Um, I always thought that it was based on wind speeds. However, the scale is actually based on the amount of damage that a tornado can make. So oh, really? they're associated with each other, but they are not the same. Um, so, so the Fajita scale must be just based on wind The speed. Fajita scale was kind of more based on wind scales than the enhanced Fajita. Fajita scale. I'm just called it Fajita scale because of you. Uh, so yes, but he still based it on the amount of damage that it can bring. So the enhanced Fajita. <laughs> you messed Fajita. me up. <laughs> the Fajita. enhanced Fajita scale um, definitely focuses on more of like what the damage can actually do to the like what they can do. Um, the scale goes from EF zero all the way up to EF five. However, Fujita did create an EF six. However, tornadoes with sustained winds that could cause greater damage still have only been rated as an EF five. Which at the end of this podcast, I think he rated like 265 miles an hour, like the highest. And we have five tornadoes that have gone above that. Yeah. Um, so I will get to those at the end of this podcast. That's um, fucking wild. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> so EF, zero damage trees, and but nothing substantial to structures. Maybe a few missing shingles. Uh, but it goes all the way up to EF5, which can rip entire buildings off their structures and even deform skyscrapers. Um and so that's also, I read, there's a further thing down that I didn't really write about at all. Um, miss of tornadoes is that they don't go through big cities. They definitely do. And they definitely can, because we will talk about that um, later on in this podcast. But they can do it, and it's a possibility. They just, it's less common. Yeah. Um, well, I also think, well, I'm not sure. You'll probably tell me in the end that if it were to go through a major metropolitan area, it would break up quicker. Not true. Uh, I've actually seen... Well, I've also watched a lot of like crazy things about tornadoes, but uh, tornado the, hunters. Yes, <laughs> not a rabbit not, hole that I need to fall down. Again. No, no, don't do that. Um, but like, the, the, it can actually create mega tornadoes because typically, what you have with like big cities, if they come through big cities, it, you have narrow a, wind space. That and island heating. So what's called island heating is that like, um, you ever notice that like temperatures outside of cities are cooler than the inside of cities? It's because we have pollution and everything here, a yeah. lot of people and you know everything like holding the heat in so like you can see like temperatures are typically like 10 to 15 degrees cooler outside and tornadoes are fueled by a lot of heat as well very similar to hurricanes and so if a tornado did come through like a big city like ours and like went directly to downtown the wind speeds could like pick up very easily and then i mean become very strong and violent very fast um so it's very possible didn't need to know that didn't sorry need to know it. Keep going. <laughs> you're welcome uh depending on climate tornadoes can appear as large like actual clouds um like condensation clouds or in drier climates they can just appear as rotating columns of dirt and debris uh, most tornadoes occur in the great plains region across the united states and canada you want to know why because of the the chinook winds I don't know what that, that is. go over top of the Rocky Mountains. Oh, yeah, that's actually right. Uh, kind of. I didn't know that that was the name. Uh, hold on. That's I have... the Canadian name. Oh, okay. Uh, well, in fact, more tornadoes occur here in the Great Plains uh, between the United States and Canada. Anywhere uh, in the world. Every year than every other country in the world combined. Combined. Every other country in the world combined. That's ridiculous. Um, this is because of our own geography. America. Yeah, seriously. Oh. The land of the great, you know? Uh, the Rockies create dry, low pressure from blocking air from the Pacific from going eastward. So the Rockies are so high that there's no water coming in. So it just like creates this like dry, low pressure systems all the time. Um, 
Where did I go? Uh, we also have no substantial east to west mountain ranges to stop the air. Uh, so we have nothing stopping from like blocking the Arctic, essentially. Uh, you know, like Europe has the Alps that like goes across the continent, kind of blocks everything. <coughs> Excuse uh. me. Yeah, sorry. Um, so then dry air from the north meets the warm air from the Gulf of Mexico, which is very forceful because the Gulf of Mexico is like a big circulating thing, which is why we end up with so many fucked up hurricanes all the time. Um, because of the ocean jet stream, but then the air jet stream from the Arctic meet the ocean jet stream and just cause a big thing called Tornado Alley. <laughs> yes. So that's what we got. That has something to do with, I think, in the States, don't they call it El Nino or El Nino? Well, El Nino and El Nino are two, like, big, th- that's like an ocean air jet stream of the ocean and air yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, so one of them comes over the Rockies. I think it's El Nino. I don't know. La Nina? The little girl. Yeah, whatever. No, I don't remember which one, but that has nothing to do with tornado. Or I, I'm sure it does, but not as much to do with tornadoes as it does with hurricanes. Because that's more like focusing on the <coughs> ocean, terrified of both <laughs> ocean no and water, um, ocean and air like heating. combination. Yeah, heating combination. Um, so that's like a whole different topic. Um, so then let's go ahead and dive into like how a tornado is created. Just very briefly, I'm going to do a very simplistic thing because this was a very long long bit on the wikipedia so i'm gonna uh, go well they teach it in second grade so give me the second grade version <laughs> i did not um so we've got rainfall at the back of the supercell that causes a downdraft a downdraft causes the lagging mesocyclone so a mesocyclone is basically rotation in the atmosphere so like super high up in the storm cell um and basically brings that down and causes it to descend <clears throat> so you got all this rotation oh i'm sorry i'm sure you've heard oh yeah I'm sure you've heard of the meteorologist saying the storm contains rotation. That rotation is what they can see from, like, satellites and stuff, because they can see that rotation, like, from the top of the storm. But then that top of the storm, they're like, oh, got sucked down. There's something underneath. Yeah, exactly. So as the cool air from the downdraft brings some mesocyclone down to the moist, warm air from the surface, this causes a rotating wall cloud to essentially form. Uh, as the updraft occurs, a lot of the low, uh, a low pressure begins at the surface, which then sucks that cyclone even further down from and even faster from the actual like storm itself, essentially creating this massive rotating column closer to the surface. As the downdraft continues, the winds can grow as in intensity, which then causes a tornado slash damage. As the tornado continues to intake warm air, warm moist air from the surface, it can reach maturity. This can last. A few minutes up to several hours um once the cool once the cool air that essentially caused the tornado also wraps around the tornado itself it then chokes the tornado the the same thing that caused it and then like of the warm air and then it dissipates so that's essentially what causes a tornado so the same thing the cold air brings down the cyclone the heat and warm air gets sucked up and then creates a a, a low pressure that sucks the cyclone even further down and then as you keep fueling it with warm air it keeps rotating it keeps getting crazier it keeps getting violent and you know continues on from there faster then once the cold air finally wraps around and then chokes itself it kills itself essentially so that's how a tornado works if any of that doesn't make sense go google it yourself (laughs) so now we get now that we got some of the terms out of the way and figured out what an actual tornado is what was this 2000 super outbreak what was i talking about 2011 super outbreak um, well, there's only been two not- notable super outbreaks that have occurred in meteorological history, which started around the 70s when they were able to look at satellites and mm, look at oh stuff. Oh, wow. Global <coughs> warming. Also, space satellites. Yeah, but also global. This is a. Listen. This is a green podcast. 
Mm-hmm. Global warming is a thing, and it's making more tornadoes and worse hurricanes. It's true. It's true. But also, that that was when we started recording meteorological history. Um, <clears throat> there was a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I imagine a woman named uh, <clears throat> Patsy being the one who she's like writing writing notes. Okay. For the history. Oh yeah. Of yeah. Meteorological. Yeah. History. Well, I mean, I looked up. Like when I was googling all this stuff, because I told you I went on a lot of tangents. How there many, was stuff how going. How many women named Patsy did you find? There was a lot, but there was also a okay. lot of tornadoes named Patsy. <gasps> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, if we named tornadoes, we'd run out very quickly. Um, yeah. Within a year, honestly. Um, uh uh-uh. uh no. Call no. me. <laughs> I got names. Colleen. Yorkaborg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, red slushy. Vodka Red Bull. Is that an apple? <laughs> I'm the name? Apple. Yep. <laughs> I just thought apple for some just, reason. Just name things. Wine bottle. <laughs> yeah. What do I see in my... A doorknob. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, doorknob. Hey. Come here, doorknob. <laughs> All these ideas right up here, right here. baby. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, the... <laughs> che- Bless you. Woo. Um, so, like I said, the 1974 super outbreak and the 2011 super outbreak. There was also another one that they ca- claimed to be a super outbreak, but they didn't have enough records to decide if it was a super outbreak or not. But that was in 1925. Uh, but I will mention that one because that one is a doozy. Um, so, the 2011 super outbreak was the largest, costliest, and one of the and one of the deadliest tornado outbreaks ever recorded, taking place along southern, midwestern, and northeastern United States and leaving catastrophic catastrophic destruction. The event not only affected Alabama and Mississippi the most severely, but also produced destructive tornadoes in Arkansas, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia, and affected many Northern other... Texas? Uh, it, hold on, we'll get there. Um, and affected many other areas throughout the southern and eastern United States. In total, 360, 360 tornadoes were confirmed by the National Weather Service and the Government of Canada's Environment Canada. In 20, does that make any sense? Government yeah. of Canada's Environment Canada. Is that like what the they department call it is called? Environment Canada. Okay. Or like um, Canada. I didn't know what it was, and I was like, I'm just going to copy this <laughs> because I'm just going to say it, and I don't want to sound stupid to our Canadian well, see, friends. Everything that they have, they put the word in front, and then there's the this Canada. Canada thing at the end okay. with a little flag on the D. I love that. That's <laughs> so actually really cute. adorable. <clears throat> okay, well then, Environment Canada <clears throat> also helped confirm this because this storm spanned from Texas, southernmost state, up to Toronto. So, oh wow, in yeah. Toronto, Toronto experienced tornadoes. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, from oh, there we go, from Texas to New York to southern Canada. So, uh, widespread and destructive tornadoes occurred on each day of the outbreak, with April twenty seventh being the most active day, with a record of two hundred sixteen tornadoes touching down that day from midnight to midnight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was most of it. This is April. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> perfect time to talk about it, right? Mm. <laughs> March to June is the most active time for t- tornadoes. In case anyone was wondering, my t- my greatest fears are natural disasters, so hurricanes, tornadoes, <laughs> pandemics. <laughs> well, you're the one who keeps talking about pandemics. Wait, no, I talked about the Black Death, yeah. but that that also happened that like 700 years ago. <laughs> because it's like as long as you wash your body at least once a week, yeah, you're probably good. No, you're not going to get bubonic plague. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Okay. Continue. Next pages. <laughs> Next six pages. Um, yeah, we got a lot of this. So four of the tornadoes were destructive enough to be ra- four were destructive enough to be rated the EF five, 
which is the highest possible ranking from the enhanced Vegeta scale. Typically, these tornadoes only are recorded about once a year or less. We had four in a matter of four four days. No, not four even days. one year. That was four days because we haven't even gotten to the rest of the year. Um, in total, 348 people were killed as a result of the outbreak, which included 324 tornado-related deaths across six states and additional 24 fatalities caused by other thunderstorm-related events such as straight-line winds, hail, flash flooding, or lightning. Uh, which apparently the storm brought a lot of flash flooding. Flash flooding. Flash flooding. Um, in Alabama alone, 200, 238 tornado-related deaths were confirmed by the Storm Prediction Center, the SBC, and the state's emergency management agencies. Uh, April 27th, 316 fatalities were the most tornado-related fatalities in the United States in a single day since the tri-state outbreak in March 18th of 2000. Or, I'm sorry, of 1925, when at least 747 people were killed. Uh, so that's what that was a tornado super outbreak yeah. that they think was an outbreak but they don't know and well back then too <clears throat> they didn't have a whole lot of warning like we have today mm, exactly yeah they'd be like hey <laughs> shut up your neighbor do you guys hear a train <laughs> that was actually a common myth well not a myth that was a thought of idea of what people hear during tornadoes the myth was green sky green sky can happen for any big thunderstorm and that just has to do with the reflectivity of water molecules and all this other shit um but basically strong thunderstorms bring tornadoes so that's why people say oh i saw a green sky but sounds include buzzing of bees innumerable bees is what they said um hmm. they said freight train um there's a couple other ones i don't remember because i didn't write it down but that was that has to do with tornadoes and i'm not talking about tornadoes specifically i'm talking about the outbreak. this one yeah exactly um <clears throat> excuse me so, nearly 500 preliminary local storm reports were received for tornadoes over four days, including 292 in 16 states on April 27th alone. 16 states had tornadoes in them in one day. <clears throat> Can you imagine? No. What's happening? <clears throat> okay, we're good. For now. Coronavirus. I know. <clears throat> it wouldn't be coronavirus. I've got allergies. This event was the cost costliest tornado outbreak and one of the costliest natural disasters in the United States history, even after adjustments for inflation, with total damages approximately $11 billion. Wow. $11 billion. That's even more than Katrina. Exactly. And Harvey. Like, Katrina ridiculous. was the most. Yeah. I know, but still. <laughs> what about Sandy? Because um, Sandy's like, after that, wasn't it? Sandy was... Well, so this is... Uh, updated as of 2019 so mm -hmm. yeah no sandy was yes yeah, 2012. Was like 2012 yeah um what causes outbreak so what was the reason for this massive storm everyone or not everyone i want to know that <laughs> like why was there a big <laughs> storm um so a couple of these are copied and pasted because i didn't know how to like phrase these in a better way so you can figure it out um there was a strong extra extra tropical cyclone that formed over texas and oklahoma on april 25th and continued developing so the reason you asked about texas texas and oklahoma were not hard hit because the storm started there yeah, well what we had a hurricane of some sort no no, no. so a cyclone is um um hurricanes are low pressure systems but low pressure systems that start over water um so this oh, is this a low pressure system that land. started over land so this started over texas and oklahoma it's uh, they're still cyclones there's essentially land hurricanes is what most thunderstorms actually are is that they're Besides, unless there's a cold front, it's basically just like a low pressure system, and low pressure systems swirl just like hurricanes. So it's the same, same idea. 
When we had hurricanes when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to move to the middle of the, the land because there's no earthquakes, there's no hurricanes. And then somebody told me about tornadoes. And, and then like, it just fucked you up. I'm going to move to Greenland. <laughs> Blizzards. <laughs> it's better. Better than any of those things. No, At least I, I can stay that. in a place. <laughs> well, you can get snow blizzard or snow tornadoes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to live underground. <laughs> Earthquakes. <laughs> In a place that doesn't have earthquakes. <laughs> Oklahoma has earthquakes, too, because of fracking. <laughs> Montana, but under a mountain. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Um, so, on April 27th, a strong jet stream dipped and caused a heavy wind shear, forcing the cyclone to um, uh, Ohio, I said Mississippi. Mississippi. Mi- no, not even Mississippi, just Mississippi. Where is that Mississippi from? <laughs> Mississippi, I don't know. Um, but it forced the cyclone down to Ohio, Mississippi, and the Tennessee Valley. Uh, the temperature at the time in those regions was between 70 and 90 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which allowed for a strong updraft, as I previously mentioned for creating tornadoes, of very warm, warm, hot air. Um, the t- a total of 56 severe weather watches were issued by the Storm Prediction Center, uh, over those four days in the outbreak area, which included 40, 41 tornado watches, what tornado warnings, ten of which were particular dangerous situation watches, what, and fifteen severe thunderstorm watches. Anyways, sorry, that was the part that copy and pasted. Didn't make any sense. <laughs> so you're welcome. You, uh, you sound like you're having a stroke. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and start a day by day for this. You wanna you wanna do a day by day? I don't. Well, we're going to do it. Okay. Um, so we're going to do April 25th. Severe thunderstorm warnings were issued uh, for Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Mississippi. So a, a large area. Large area, yeah. Uh, caused This day caused a lot of severe damage and four deaths in Arkansas, just outside of Little Rock. There was apparently a big like EF4 storm that went through like Valonia, uh, Arkansas, I think is what it was called, which is outside of Little Rock. Uh, I didn't write everything because there is a lot of information about all these days. I took my favorite parts. <laughs> um, oh, we're saying favorite. Okay. Most interesting parts that were my favorite. <laughs> so then on April 26th, there was a high risk for extreme weather was issued uh, across Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas along um, and near the interstate, uh, I'm sorry, and along and near the Interstate 30 corridor as conditions became even more favorable for extreme weather. An upper level negativity tilted, uh, no, an upper level negatively tilted trough. I also copied that because I don't know what that means, but I assume that's a meteorological term. Yeah, a dip. Um, With two embedded short waves (laughs) generated two surface lows that propagated generally east. One of the surface lows tracked northeast along the Mississippi River into Wisconsin as it dissipated. the tornado watches were issued for the lower Great Lakes during the afternoon hours as supercell thunderstorms developed along the warm front lifting north across central Michigan. Two tornadoes touched down in Michigan and caused damage to farm structures further east. Severe thunderstorms caused scattered wind damage and uh, large hail across Pennsylvania and New York. The second surface low corresponded to an area of strong upper level divergence ahead of this downstream shortwave. So I'm sorry, there's a lot of meteorological terms. Essentially, and there was two like low pressure systems that were created from the storm that like s- essentially separated. Uh, one of them went further uh, north, and the other one went further south, um, as, but still continuing east. 
Uh, as the low formed across Texas and deepened while moving east, a tightening pressure gradient force uh, further, strengthened, further strengthened the low-level jet, therefore creating a broad weather sector across the southeastern United States. Uh, it also generated stronger wind shear, providing better organization for the supercell storms as a result. Numerous tornadoes touched down across several states, including Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. One of them, one of those tornadoes, I'm sorry, most of those tornadoes were weak, but a few of them caused considerable damage. Moving on to April 27th. So that was just the 26th. So the 26th was really the day that like everything built to create what happened the 27th. Because yeah. the 27th is a lot. Um, and let me tell you, when I read this page and a half worth of what happened on the 27th, this is only like a third of what they wrote of what happened on the 27th because there was a lot of shit that happened like a lot of little towns. How many days was it? Four days. Four days. So the 20, uh, 25th was when it started, 26th, 27th, and then the 28th was like when it finally started to dissipate. There were some thunderstorms after that on the 29th, but none of them caused any tornadoes that were recorded. Um, so... The most intense supercells of the outbreak developed around midday in central Mississippi and began tracking eastward. This powerful EF5, oh, I'm sorry, a powerful EF5 tornado caused incredible damage northwest, 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 north, northeast. 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 Ah! <laughs> east. Weast. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you said weast. This is the levity that I need. Oh my god. <laughs> More weast. Mm -hmm. Can you work some more weast into more, that? Please? More, I'm sure I will definitely incorrectly say things on this podcast further down. Um, the powerful EF5 tornado. This powerful EF5 tornado caused incredible damage northeast of Philadelphia, Mississippi. Uh, Philadelphia. What am I saying? Northeast of Philadelphia, Mississippi, where the pavement was torn Philadelphia, off. Philadelphia, Mississippi. Yes. A city named Philadelphia in the state of Mississippi. Yes. So this okay. is a small town, but this is a recorded one of the one of the recorded EF5s that came from the out of the four. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I wanted to note this that it was the storm brought this into a small town uh, where pavement was torn off of roads, vehicles wow. were thrown, and the ground was scoured out to a depth of two feet. It two, lifted the ground it up. Cut two out feet the under. ground two feet under. Um, which to my Canadian friends is 0.16 meters. That's, <laughs> Apparently, that's, that's a, a lot of meters. That's a lot of meters. Oh my God, bud. <laughs> You're fucking kidding. I know. The three people died when a mobile home was thrown 300 yards, a football, no, three football fields into a wooded area, obliterating it in the process. Another very long track EF4 tornado passed near the town of Enterprise, Mississippi, killing seven people before crossing into Alabama and eventually dissipating. So I kind of talked about like the most powerful tornadoes that happened. Yeah. Um, a widespread complex of supercell storms overspread the states of Mississippi and Alabama, and violent tornadoes began rapidly touching down as the evening progressed. Four tornadoes. That's my worst fear is a tornado at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine is whenever there's heavy rain and then you can't see the tornadoes because I've heard that there's like, uh, what do they call them, wind shear tornadoes or something like that, where you basically like can't see the tornado coming uh, because the, wind or the rain is just like so... In, so heavy, exactly. Yeah. Just remember the hook, the hook, <laughs> baby. Because the hook is basically the trailing end of the the storm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I really love rain at night, mm -hmm. like heavy rain that patters on the window. I hate it. I like that, but <laughs> that that's the one thing that I'm like. <gasps> I hate thunderstorms uh, at night for this reason. <gasps> and there's been multiple times that I've actually woken up 
uh, there was one time notable in the Heights that I woke up at 3.15 in the morning and was like, wow, this storm is like really crazy. Like something's weird about this. Went to turn on the TV, looked at it, and they were like, there's a tornado warning in the Heights, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, where do I go on the second floor apartment? So I like went into my kitchen with Bailey and I was like holding her like, uh, and like I could see the TV from over there because there's no place in that like little tiny apartment that I used to live in that I couldn't go to the bathroom. There's windows there. And yeah. <laughs> like, what was I going to do there? So, I mean, we at least have uh, your closet. Yeah, yeah. But it's facing that outward hallway. But that's like kind of the innermost area of the building. Yeah, but I feel like thing it, the innermost hallways here are open. I, I feel like the laundry room. That's would actually be a myth. Best. The myth is the myth is that opening your windows and like low pressure. Oh yeah, like, do not do that. Don't do that's that. That's a bad idea. It's a very bad idea. Yeah, that creates in tornadoes in your house. In your house, exactly. <laughs> you want to get crazier? <laughs> I'm gonna hide in that closet. This one here. Yeah, these would be good. Good ideas. The main purpose of hiding from a tornado, because I'm sure, did you cover that at all? No, I didn't. Hide I didn't. in the innermost room of your house with yeah. the most walls between you and the outside. Yeah. You're supposed to hide it also on the lowest most The lowest floor, level of but, your house. Yeah. But sometimes it's not possible. But yes, I did not talk about safety of tornadoes because I wasn't talking about tornadoes. I was talking about yeah. the outbreak. So, yeah. Also, if you have a basement, go in the basement. Yeah. But that too. there's no basement. There's here. no basements here in Texas because we, if we dig in the ground, you get water. Yeah. <laughs> you get swamp. Um, swamp ass. Yeah, swamp ass. Ew. <laughs> Began touching violent tornado. What did I say? Uh, a widespread. I'm going to start from the beginning. Not beginning, beginning, but start of this. This. Oh. A widespread complex of super <clears throat> of supercell storms overspread the states of Mississippi and Alabama, and violent tornadoes began rapidly touching down as the evening progressed. Uh, for, speaking of evening, evening is always after the sun starts to go down, after everything's really warm. So, like, there's a weird, like, cooling, heating thing that's going on there that always causes stronger storms. So, after the sun goes down, it's <clears throat> No, yeah, it's bad. Um, four tornadoes were officially rated EF5 on the Enhanced Vegeta scale that day. One of those EF5 tornadoes struck the town of Smithville, Mississippi, where many well-built brick homes were reduced to bare slabs. Uh, numerous hardwood trees were completely debarked, and an SUV was hurled a half mile into the top of the town's water tower, subsequently leaving a, a behind a visible dent. Um, another long-tracked EF5 wedge tornado passed through rural portions of Alabama and Tennessee, becoming the deadliest tornado of the outbreak as it completely devastated the towns of Hackleburg, Phil Campbell, Mount Hope, Tanner, and Harvest, killing 72 people. This marks only the second day in history after April 3rd of 1974. Like I said, 1974 had a super outbreak as well, uh, that there were more than two EF5 tornadoes reported in one day. And this day had five. Five. Four, and four, sorry, four days. Four in one day. Yeah. <clears throat> Tornadoes continued tracking through central Alabama that afternoon and into the early, early, early evening hours. Uh, many strong and violent tornadoes tore through smaller towns around 5, 10 p.m., a very large and except, ex exceptionally destructive tornado struck Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and about 40 minutes later, that same tornado, almost an hour later, struck northern suburbs of nearby Birmingham. This Wait, this tornado went on for over an hour? Mm -hmm. Almost an hour. Wow. Yeah. They normally go on for like 10 minutes. They can go on for hours. We There's a notable tornado, the Tri-State tri, tri, tri tornado, went on for three and a half hours. Three and a half hour mm -hmm. tornado? Mm-hmm. 
And it was apparently the tri-state, I haven't gotten to it yet, but the tri-state tornado um, went supposedly supposedly went on for three and a half hours and was moving at a speed of 75 miles an hour. So imagine me leaving from my house going through San Antonio, a tornado that moved from Houston, from one side of Houston, the east side of Houston, all the way through the west side of San Antonio. And it was an EF5. Well, I mean, once you leave Katy, there's really nothing until you get to like. But Sanford. what I'm saying, yeah, I know, I know that this area. Yes. <laughs> but still, I mean, there's cities in between there. I mean, you've got like Weimar, Columbus, Schulenburg, Flatonia. I mean, you got all sorts of the, like those are small towns <laughs> that have people in them. Okay. Small towns. <laughs> I was gonna say cities, like they're not cities. Um. Oh, yeah. This tornado killed 64 people and caused extensive devastation in densely populated areas. I really wanted to talk about this, um, actually, because I do remember the uh, tornado of 2011 in Tuscaloosa because uh, I had friends that went to University of Alabama, and that was, like, a scary shit because they literally saw this tornado go past their university. Like, it went through, like, off-campus housing. That's how close to the university, the college campus it was, which is terrifying. And there's, even more terrifying is that there is footage that I watched because I delved into a lot of yeah, things. I've done um, Not a good idea. And you can see the video camera from the stadium, like, looking overlooking the stadium, and you can watch this massive tornado just, like, go through the trees, like, behind it. It's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. I watched the ones about Joplin. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, University of Alabama shut down its campus briefly during the course of the storm itself, resuming regular activities within minutes. Upon realizing the extent of the storm damage immediately off campus, immediately off campus, I'm talking like when I say it went off, like went through off campus housing. Like take a bike ride five minutes. And you're there. Exactly. So that could have gone through campus while in the middle of the day when students are in lectures. Classes. Yeah, exactly. Um the university shut down. Uh, oh, so upon realizing the extent of the damage, uh, the university shut down all extent, uh, all academic and extracurricular activities for the remainder of the day, and then still later for the remaining ten days of the academic semester. All final exams were canceled, with all registered students receiving a final grade based on their grade as of the day of the storm. I'm which, sure some professors were like, "Well, we need to reopen the university because yeah. uh, <laughs> we just need to get them knowledge." Well, I've been in college classes where the midterm was super fucking hard and then the final exam was super fucking easy because the midterm was based to, like, make you, like... Decide whether or not to drop to out. To drop the class, exactly. So if I was, like, based on, like, what I had at the end of April, some of those classes I'd be fucked. So, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would have been mad at some of those points. Um, anyways, so spring commencement ceremonies were postponed until August 6th. So full, oh like... Oh, my God, that's my birthday! Yeah, there you go. So then, Happy birthday to me. There's and, a tornado graduation. Yeah, a tornado graduation. I love that. Uh, the university itself was an, undamaged by the storm, though six students that were enrolled at the university were later discovered to have died. Um, the National Weather Service determined the, pa- the path length of this particular tornado to be 80.7 miles. That is 129.9 kilometers, in case Canadians were wondering, with with a maximum damage path width of 1.5 miles. 1.5 miles. That's ridiculous. It's like 2.7 kilometers. 2.4. It says right next to it. Oh, my God. (laughs) The tornado's most intense damage peaked 
indicated peak winds of around 190 miles per hour. Therefore, it was given a final rating of EF4. Reports from Tuscaloosa uh, indicated 44 people were killed with an additional 20 deaths in Birmingham. Birmingham. Overall, this tornado killed 64 people and injured more than 150, or, I'm sorry, 1,500. Barack Obama and the First Lady Michelle Obama, oh, I'm sorry, pre- President Barack Obama. Real president. Yeah. And First Lady Michelle Obama visited Tuscaloosa on April 29th, so not even a few days after the storm. Oh, Actually, wow. When, yeah, se- seriously, not, this is still when it was storming in D.C. So hmm. they left, I, if, I don't know if they were still in D.C. at this point, but the 29th it's noted further down that dc had thunderstorms on the 29th so they left in the middle of a thunderstorm to go the same thunderstorm that caused this to go to alabama and be like whoa you know when trump would have shown up fucking Mm -hmm. june yeah exactly oh yikes some people say this was the worst storm in history but this is the best part of america that always votes for me this thing happened and we're gonna take care of it and it's it's great we're gonna do great Mm-hmm. Um, he took a grand tour of some of the most effective affected areas. Obama was quoted as saying that he had never seen devastation like this. He f- uh, further stated that he had already declared a federal state of emergency in Alabama. Do you know how long it took him to uh, Trump took to declare a federal emergency for fucking coronavirus? Uh, two months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, the final EF5 tornado of the day caused remar- remarkable damage in and around the town of Rainsville, Alabama, killing 25 people before crossing into Georgia and dissipating. Tornadoes continued touching down further to the northeast as the sun set, particularly in Georgia. This included a long-tracked EF4 tornado that caused major damage in Ringgold, uh, Georgia, Appison, Tennessee, and Cleveland, Tennessee, killing Wrangled. 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 Oh, sorry. Why? I've heard it's spelled rain. Rhyme. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, killing twenty people along the path. Uh, after dark, violent tornadoes continued to touch down, and a nighttime EF4 tornado destroyed many lakeside homes in Lake Martin in eastern Alabama, killing seven people. Along strong, uh, additional strong nighttime tornadoes occurred in Georgia, including an EF3 that killed two people in Barnesville, and another EF3 that destroyed homes and killed one person at Lake Barton. April 28th. <laughs> Mind you, like I said, I, April 27th, I cut out like a shit ton. So like that was like the most notable things that I want to talk about. Um, April 28th, tornado watches were issued for the Atlantic coast from Pennsylvania to Florida. So <laughs> at the start of the day. Half of the eastern seaboard. Exactly. Uh, at the start of the day and continued through the morning and early afternoon, but tornadoes were forecasted to generally be weaker and more isolated. Despite this, the secondary portion of the outbreak had begun producing uh, scattered tornadoes throughout the mid-Atlantic and east coast regions. The previous evening intensified during the early hours of the morning, producing numerous tornadoes. A particularly active region in which there were some strong tornadoes was the Interstate 81 corridor extending from southwest Virginia north through north through the Shenandoah Valley and into Pennsylvania and New York. Uh, tornadoes were also reported in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Maryland. Most of these tornadoes were weak. Although tornado watches were issued, no tornadoes were spotted in New Jersey or Washington, D.C. In the wake of the tornadoes and sev- severe thunderstorms, widespread flooding hit the Midwest, South, and Eastern Seaboard with extensive flood, uh, extensive flood and flash flood warnings issued. The last tornadoes of the outbreak touched down that afternoon in eastern North Carolina, which was hit, uh, which was hard hit in the April twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, April sixteenth outbreak. So they got hit by a tornado 
not even like 10 days before this. <laughs> through the tornadoes, uh, I'm sorry, though the tornadoes that impacted the area this time were weak. The system moved out into the Atlantic Ocean that evening with the exception of isolated thunderstorms over central Florida that night into April 29th, although there were no tornadoes then. Um, so then I noted, I didn't write about this because it's a, basically a full different topic, but Joplin happened next. So that's what I discovered because I thought Joplin was part of the same storm. And I mean, obviously you did too uh, earlier. Um, and Joplin was a whole nother weather system that happened. Yeah. I guess um, I'm thinking 2011 season. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that 2011 season outbreak. was strong. Strong. Yeah, very, very big. Uh, so that's, I didn't even get to read the, I didn't get to read the 1974 outbreak. I didn't get to read about the Joplin because I was so focused on uh, going into depth about tornadoes. <laughs> that's a lot. There, there was a lot. Um, but, so then the question came up, what are the deadliest tornadoes? Like, that was what I really wanted. Oh, did I hear it freak off? Oh, boy. No. No. Which one? Deadliest tornadoes. There we go. Um, okay, so number one. No, that's not right. Super outbreak. Joplin. Multiple. Oh, I did exit it. You fucker. History. Don't look at my history. Don't look at my history. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't pull that up right now. Um, no, one of the deadliest tornadoes was um, the tornado. Come on, why won't you load? There was a tornado in Bangladesh that killed thirteen hundred people. So yeah. And it, was, it wasn't a strong tornado, but, I mean, it was a tornado. Um, come on. Load. Tornado record. That's what I need. Come on. You're getting there. Eventually. Yeah, seriously. Stop. I hate everything. Oh, so there was also another super outbreak, supposedly. <laughs> not supposedly. There was another super outbreak that they decided uh, in 1981 in the United Kingdom. So we've had what? two super outbreaks here and one super outbreak in the United Kingdom. Um, even though I don't know why that's a super outbreak, but, but like I said, super outbreaks. Because they got like four and they were like, oh my God, we've never had these before. They only had two that were stronger than EF2. Uh, that were yeah. stronger than EF2, exactly. So that's why it broke record. But they had a total of 104 tornadoes, but only two that were stronger than that. And nothing was higher than the EF4. Wait, watch. So, Listen, here. EF0. Oh, God, it's windy in here. Exactly. But, like, comparing um, the super outbreak of 1974 to the super outbreak of 2011, there was uh, – I just like to look at the EF4s and higher. Um, the EF4s and higher, there was 30 in the 1974, and there was 15 in the 2011. But I feel like a lot of the EF4s in 2011 were the ones that caused the most damage. The ones, the F5s did not. What about 1929? 25? 29. Why? Because that's when the Wizard of Oz came out, and Dorothy got stuck in that tornado. She was in that tornado, though. <laughs> and it, like, killed a witch. LOL. Um, well, I do also want to compare the 10 deadliest tornadoes, or the first deadliest tornado to the first, in Canada, to the first deadliest tornado in the United States. The first deadliest tornado in Canada was reported in June on June 30th of 1912 in Regina, Saskatchewan. They had 28 deaths. <laughs> the first you know deadliest who lives in Regina, Saskatchewan. No one. Like uh, maybe a couple thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's also the capital of Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> so no one. <laughs> um, then the deadliest tornado in the United States killed five. I'm sorry, 695 people. And that was the tri-state tornado that I was talking about earlier. The tri-state tornado, hold on, 
There was something. Did I have that open? That's why they're so fucking scary because you cannot escape them. You can't. Exactly. There's no. I mean, you have minutes to escape. In the car, maybe you Mm -hmm. could. Even still, if you're in the car and you're in the direct path, you're gonna have to drive four to five miles Mm -hmm. in out of the direct path, and you can't tell what the direct path of the tornado is because it can change at any second. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Literally inescapable. Yeah. At least a hurricane, you've got. Some a planning day to, do. to two days, unless of... you're Houston, because Hurricane Harvey was like, "Oh, it's coming towards us. It's not going to be anything. It's a, a category one, no big deal." But and even still, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, but still, at least you know there's a torn- there's a hurricane yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I need to start making some decisions. Yeah, and then on top of that, I did want to know. I did not write this down. Hurricane warnings are. I'm sorry. Tornado warnings here in Texas, especially like down in southern Texas. I'm just shaking the table. Sorry, just moving. Um are different than hurricane warnings in like Kansas or Oklahoma. Hurricane warnings in Kansas and Oklahoma mean that there's a fucking tornado on the ground. Not hurricane, tornado. Yeah. Tornado warnings. You have minutes yeah, to seconds. To get somewhere because there's a tornado on the ground touching. Whenever there's a ter- tornado warning here in Houston, it's just like, there We're expecting be. tornadoes later today. So, it like, might after happen. lunch, if you, I mean, if you're not too busy during you, lunch, you could probably get somewhere just safe. Go somewhere cool, like, oh, just get out of the way, like, no big deal. So, that's like, whenever I told, like, would tell, like, my friend from, like, Kansas, like, oh, yeah, this is a tornado warning. They're like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, where are you at? And I'm like, go. I'm watching the news and, like, why? And I'm, I'm like, sitting in front of a glass window yeah. with a wine I'm glass. I'm in a glass and, box, actually. And there's a mirror in front of me yeah, watching surprise. the TV behind me. And it's made of glass. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. So, one thing that I wanted to preface before I said that uh, for Deadly Tornadoes, there is a relative, these are all relative to the populations that they strike. For example, like more Oklahoma in 1999 struck a busy suburb of Oklahoma City um, or like Joplin or like Tuscaloosa and like Birmingham. These struck like cities that had like lots of people versus yeah. like some of these cities that I just mentioned, like Philadelphia, Mississippi. Like there's not as many people there. So like you can't really assess like what is the deadliest, what could have been the deadliest tornadoes when some of these tornadoes that went through these places were hella fucking strong. Yeah. So like you have no idea. Um, I knew uh, a a woman and her daughter that were from Joplin mm-hmm. and they worked at the Macy's with me. Were they there during the time? Yeah. Ooh. Yikes. How was that? Um, well, sh- the, the woman said she was home mm-hmm. and she, the, it didn't pass by. I mean, it passed by the house, but it didn't go. But that was enough. like a, a mile wide tornado, wasn't it? Yeah. It was massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it went like through diagonally through town, through the on, like, city, through the city. On, like, the West side. Exactly. And, uh, the girl was in, uh, High school at the time, mm. and they were like, "Fuck, get in the fucking classroom, yeah. lay down, hide underneath your desk, do everything we can." <laughs> like, geez. and obviously they survived, but yeah. they were like, as soon as it was all over, we were like, "Fuck, we gotta go." Yeah, we can't live here anymore. Yeah, because because it happened again, here. or no, it happened before that, and then it happened in 2011. Yeah, because it happened like not even a few years before, right? I think it was 2007. Yeah, like if that's a few years. <laughs> That you had a massive, like, another massive tornado. The city is going to dissolve. Yeah. There's not going to be anything here uh-uh. when we're left, so we need to leave. Because at, what was it, an EF4 or EF5? Let me see. EF5. I have it yeah, I think it was an EF5 that went right through the middle of the city. Uh, EF5 rated multiple multiple vortex tornado. That was one thing that I did not touch on. I had it open. Multiple vortex tornadoes are tornadoes that have, like, 
it's not just one one column. You have like multiple tornadoes that are touching the ground that create the full tornado. So you have lots of like wind columns that are like destroying shit. Um, yeah, that's crazy. This is the third tornado to strike like Joplin since calming. since 1971. So, wow. Yikes. Pretty much gonna say don't get out of Joplin. Yeah, <laughs> maybe get out of there because there's, there's lots of shit going on there. Hey, listen, Luann. <laughs> Just a thought. We know you were thinking about moving to Joplin. Don't do that. Not a good idea. Please avoid. Um, yeah, that's a hard pass for me. Also, if you're thinking about being a lizard person and living underground, sounds okay. You could go. You could do that. Spencer's going to join you. Um, yeah, so the, the most deadly tornadoes that we've got, or most deadly, yeah, most deadly tor- tornadoes is the Tri-State um, in 1925 um, with deaths of 695. Um then they have a reported like Natchez, Mississippi in 1840 that killed 317 people, which is a hell of a fucking lot. But I really like, I mean, a lot of these things were only like pre 1950 besides the uh, Joplin, Missouri one. Joplin, Missouri happened on May 22nd of 2011. They killed 158. Uh, but if we were to look at like, like full tornado, like history, essentially, like I said, the um, outbreak of 2011 was what really caused uh, the most most of the deaths. Um, they broke the record of the 1974. So like a lot of those records like really hit hit shit. Uh, but I also want to talk about the most costly tornadoes that ever happened, and this is also uh, adjusted for inflation as well. Um, so we've got some crazy like inflation factors that go into it. But the most costly tornadoes that we've ever had was the Joplin, Missouri was number one. That was May 22nd of 2011. Uh, caused $2.8 billion worth of damage. This is just single tornadoes. Uh, the Tuscaloosa, Alabama happened on May, tw- I'm sorry, April 27th, as I mentioned, 2011, causing $2.5 uh, billion of damage. Um, and then we have a Moore, Oklahoma, which I didn't, I also didn't mention Moore, Oklahoma, but Moore, Oklahoma had a damaging tornado that happened on May 20th of 2013. And I remember that one because I remember one of my friends in college, her parents worked for the university of, um, um, OSU. Yeah. OSU. Or no, no, they lived in Oklahoma. They didn't work for them at the time. They moved, they moved after the storm because their home got destroyed. More Oklahoma is a suburb of Oklahoma city. So this is once again, a tornado that went through the middle of residential residential areas. areas. Exactly. Uh, the fourth most damaging tornado is uh, a tornado that actually happened really recently in Dallas, Texas. I think you remember this. I remember this, uh, October 20th of 2019, it caused $1.6 billion worth of damage in Dallas. I remember like seeing pictures of like on the Dallas skyline that there was a tornado like going through the suburbs. Um, What's that one named? Dallas is just Dallas, Dallas. Texas. Yeah. Um, and then the third, I'm sorry, the fifth most damaging tornado happened with the Oklahoma City Metro. It was more Oklahoma. It was called the Bridge City. I'm sorry, Bridge Creek Moore tornado in 1999, May 3rd of 1999, um, which caused one billion dollars worth of damage. Um, so what does it say? I wrote something about that here. Um, during the EF5 1999 Bridge Creek Moore tornado on May 3rd of 1999 in the southern Oklahoma City metro area, a Doppler on wheels situated near the tornado measuring winds of th- sustained winds of 302 miles per hour. Momentarily in a small area. Oh, no, that's not sustained. Momentarily in a small area of the funnel. That's a gust. Yeah. But this was also approximately... Uh, 300, 300 feet above the ground. So they were like measuring up above that. 
Uh, there was also the highest wind speed. These were the highest wind speeds ever observed on Earth at that point. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I talk about our 2011 outbreak. I'm sure at some point I'll scare Spencer again and talk about the 1974 <laughs> outbreak in the future. But, yeah. No, try 1905 Hurricane. 19 oh, the one in Galveston? Oh, that one's fun. That one's a good one. Um, no. That one's a good one. Ooh. Oh, a good one. Lots. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Wow. Um, yeah. <coughs> so pretty much what we're telling you, our advice, uh-huh. uh, move to the coast, but as far north as you can go. Yeah, away from all this. Or as far south. Yeah. So basically Argentina. No, they still have cyclones. They have typhoons. Actually, no, on that side they don't. Yes, they do. They have it on that side. Peru. Peru is on that side. What's on the other side? Um, Bolivia. Go to Bolivia. I think Bolivia Probably is still on that side. Um, Greenland. <laughs> North Pole. There we go. Got it. Anyways. Yeah, so that was my topic. Were you scared? Yeah, you know I hate natural disasters. I know you do. And uh, That's why I was like, do I want to talk about this? Yes, <laughs> I do. Hey, Spencer's panicking through quarantine. <laughs> Let's give him something else to worry about. <laughs> It's seasons for hurricanes and tornadoes <laughs> coming up. Why don't you make him vomit his own just, blood out of horror? Just enjoy it. Why not? It's coming up. Goddamn bitch. <laughs> something for everyone to enjoy. I love it. Well, I'm going to talk about something a little bit more close to home. It's still close to home. Okay. I'm going to talk about something that's also close to home. Okay. Um, have you heard about the Icebox murders? I have not. Actually, no, I think I have, and only because of you. Because like you called me and asked me, have we done the Icebox murder earlier? And I was like... No question mark, but I think you mentioned it on an earlier podcast, and I think you mentioned it multiple times on an earlier podcast. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's dive in. Have you ever, I just want to ask, have you ever heard of the Montrose District here in Houston? Yes. No, you haven't? No. Okay. So honestly, (laughs) I don't know how that happens because you're in it right now. Yeah. Surprise. Um, So. I thought it was in Midtown. Well. Kind of. Midtose. Midtose. It's a slash. (laughs) Midtose. 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 (laughs) <laughs> so in the 60s, there was a gruesome crime that happened right here in this neighborhood. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. This one is wild, so I hope you're ready, girl. She got her bootstraps on. Bootstraps? She got her jock straps on. Speaking you of, you should definitely follow our uh, sassy hour because I almost called it sissy hour. So, also well, true. <laughs> we're both there, so it's a sissy hour. Uh, our sassy hour because I put a jock strap on my face. If you want to find out why... Go watch it because it's posted on still both. Still live on Facebook. It's still live. There you Forever. go. Not, you can't not get live, shit off the internet. Posted, yeah. Um, there was one time that I was doing this makeup. I was at work, and, and this man who was cross-dressing came up and asked uh, if I would do his makeup for him at the Chanel counter. So I said, uh-huh. oh, yeah, sure. I'll do your makeup for you. Of course, girl. Come on. Um, and then he kept asking if I enjoyed being a sissy, and I was like, I'm sorry, What? <laughs> I don't know um, what that means. I know that that's the term that you have probably subscribed to, but yeah. it's not something that the community at large uses. Do I enjoy being gay? I would have like, do I like being gay? Do I ha- like gay? having sex with men? Yes. Yes, I do. I do. Um, sissy, don't know what that means. Yeah. Don't know what that well, is. Well, see, I met a, uh, I don't know if I call her a drag. He was like 50-something. A dra- uh, cross-dresser. No, I'm sorry, I wouldn't. I'm not, not certain. I would call her a drag queen. I think I'd probably call her a crossdresser because she was still emitting masculine parts while wearing dress and makeup. So like you could still see like 
parts of her beard not but not beard it was like stubble essentially and like i mean she didn't shave her armpits and like i know that drag is all subjective of all sorts of different things well she drag uh, she's a drag queen or she's i don't know i met her whenever i was in as dixie and went to jr's and i was already drunk so i don't remember her name but i it could be anything could have been a man but yeah just in tank top just cut yeah but no i remembered enough to remember the story okay but she was very enjoyable to talk to because she was like very because she was like 60 i mean she's an older person um and mature mature uh and i just like really enjoyed it so like it was a is a blast from the past i guess like getting to see a different culture and like a uh, different ideology i guess yeah. i did not enjoy my experience <laughs> okay sorry uh, <laughs> she was very expressive of calling me a sissy and yeah i was like uh, what does this even mean yeah i don't know that i used to get called that in high school as an insult from the football guys what I'm do you want me to men's clothing yeah. right now <laughs> i look what great. do you want from me? i look great <laughs> okay um so what if i have a smoky eye and a great lash yeah <laughs> With a little mascara. I like gorgeous. Okay? I'm gender fluid. <laughs> Come on, Gigi Good. Yeah. <laughs> happy, happy, good G O double D. G O Friday. G double O D E. Hey. What'd you say? You said G O D E. You said G double O D E. That's God. G double O. No, you said G O double D E. It's on the podcast now. Go listen to it again. <laughs> you can listen yeah, to our that podcast. Read that back to me. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to talk about something local. Okay, okay. I'm ready. Um, so let's talk about our victims and our suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we have Fred Rogers, 81, born mm-hmm. January of 1884. 1884. Wow. I was like, hold on. Well, when you said Icebox, I was like, okay, this is going to be like an older thing. I mean, it was 1965 is when this happened. So they didn't have freezers? <laughs> freezers? Freezers. I mean, they had refrigerators, but okay. still. I guess it's also set in Houston, so. Go get me a cold pop out of the ice box. Ice box. And I, it, it was in Montrose, which I assume at the time was also, like, low low income as well. Because mm. it was outside of the Heights. In, in the 60s, it was not that bad. Oh, really? It was okay. not amazing. I mean, it was, like, probably, like, what Pasadena is now. <laughs> or Katie. Yeah. No, not, that's hoity twitty. It's not that hoity twitty. Some places are. Okay, it's true. It's close to Memorial. Okay. Anyways, continue. Mm-hmm. So he's born in 1884. What? Retired <laughs> what? real estate agent. His wife, Edwina Rogers, 79, born October of 1892, <laughs> a salesperson. I love Edwina. Edwina. <laughs> uh, and they're uh, Charles Rogers, their son. So now more about Charles Rogers. He was born in December of 1921 in Houston. Um, there's little information about his early life, but in uh, 1942, he enrolled in the University of Texas A&M. Oh, my God. Uh, but later dropped out. Okay. Then he enrolled in the University of Houston. <laughs> which uh, is which where is, you graduated from. <laughs> I graduated from the University of Houston Clear Lake. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We had a wonderful, uh, it was literally on a nature bayou. <laughs> nature preserve. Anyways, <laughs> he earned his bachelor's of science in nuclear physics. Okay. Um, wow. During World War II, he enlisted in the Navy as a pilot and served in the Office of Naval Intelligence. Uh, after the war, he got a job at Shell Oil as a seismologist. He worked there for nine years before abruptly quitting his job in 1957 without getting raised. Oh, wow. Yep. 
I'm not showing up. Bye. <laughs> um, listen, you guys are like asking me to do all these things. Things are not working out. <laughs> so, so <bye>. <laughs> Um, he was noted by his colleagues and friends to be very smart, and he had talent for locating gas, oil, and gold for the companies that he worked for. Interesting. He spoke several languages, and his hobby was ham radios, which so I learned something today. What did you learn? Um, it's called a backronym. Mm-hmm. So ham radio doesn't stand for anything. No. I've known that. They just, did you know laser stands for something? Yes. Okay, continue. Um, also scuba? Yes. Okay, continue. One that I thought was weird um, was APGAR. Mm-hmm. APGAR, the test that they give to babies when they're born. Never heard of it. Uh, is not named for anything. It's named after the woman who in, who invented this test. Oh, cool! But then they made an acronym af- of her last name after that to face to to reflect that. Interesting. So okay. an acronym. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, in the mid 1950s, Roger joined the Civil Air Patrol, an organization chartered by Congress as civilian support for the U.S. Air Force. The organization performs three congressionally assigned key missions, emergency services, search and rescue, disaster relief, and aerospace education. While involved in the organization, he is alleged to have met David Ferry, an alleged conspirator in the assassination of JFK. Wow. There's two mysteries in this. Um, so it all brings Wait, wasn't one of... I've done a, a guy that was supposedly involved in the assassination of JFK as well. It might come up later. What's okay. his name again? Uh, Harrelson was the last name. Is it? I think so. That <laughs> is. Um, Charles Harrison. Charles yes. Harrelson. Yes. I was like, everybody in this story is named Charles. Charles Harrelson. Everybody in this fucking story is named Charles. <laughs> I love that. Um, so we're in 1965. Rogers was unemployed, living with his elderly parents in Montrose. Mm-hmm. Neighbors described Rogers as reclusive. <laughs> he did not speak with his parents and only communicated with them by notes slipped under his bedroom door. Uh, some neighbors were... My parents would knock down my door if I did that. Literally. Yeah. Well, he's also 42. My parents would have kicked me out if I did that. <laughs> There's a plot twist later. I'll okay. tell you about. Um, he did not speak to, with his parents. Blah, 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 blah. Some neighbors didn't even know that Charles was living with the elderly couple because he did not leave the house. And he would do if he did, he would do so before dawn and stay out until after dark and come home. What also surprised the neighbors that the home actually belonged to Charles and not his parents. Oh. Um, it is unknown why the family lived in this arrangement, but it is thought that Charles wanted to provide for the elderly couple despite not wanting to get along with them. Or that it could be a way for him to not have to interact with the outside world. That's true. So you go get groceries. You can live in this house. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Um, so obviously there was some sort of mental illness that started here. It could point. be. It's, it's never um, recorded. Yeah, yeah. But is because sixties was like to be oh, suspected. Your brain's wrong. Lobotomy. <laughs> Leave it. Millennials. Girl, Hi. guess what my therapist my told me today. She's a fucking bitch. Um, but I still got Aaron and so here. Listen. Because <laughs> we all need mental health. <laughs> um, there's this meme that I like that was like, I convinced my therapist to tell her husband that she's not paying enough attention to her. Um, and while I'm convinced that she can't make me better, I'm convinced that I can make us both worse. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. That is very millennial, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, let me go ahead and ask this therapist how they're doing. <laughs> Mind games. Yeah, That's like when you ask the substitute teacher how their day is going. Oh, my God. 
Yes. Um, so on June 23rd, 1965, police were requested by Edwina's nephew to conduct a welfare check as the nephew had placed phone calls to the couple that had gone unanswered for days. And when he had paid a visit to their home, he got no answer from knocking on the door. Mm. Police officers Charles Bullock, Charles, Charles, and L.M. Barta knocked on the front door and received no answer. So they tried the back door where they discovered that someone did not want anyone to come in the house. At the back door, there were flower pots stacked up in attempts to keep the back door barricaded. Why have flower pots? You just put the, you know, I mean, <laughs> just take, take them down. <laughs> Suddenly moving maybe they them. Maybe make some noise. Uh, Give you a little warning, I guess. Police officers pushed through and entered the home. Barta uh, searched the bedroom of the house while Bullock took the kitchen. The two found the home empty of residents, and all things seemed fairly normal. There was even food on the table. Oh, my gosh. Bullock walked to the kitchen and described the scene as, it just didn't feel right. There are many accounts of what the next events were, but it did lead Bullock to inspect the refrigerator. He is quoted saying, opened up a refrigerator and seen nothing but meat stacked in it. Oh, my Lord. My partner standing next to me made the comment that it looked like some kind of somebody had butchered a hog. We didn't know what it was, a body. We did not know it was a body until we got ready to close the refrigerator and we could see the head down in the bottom of the vegetable can. Oh, boy. I love that you gave it a southern accent. Hey, it's, very... it's Houston. Yeah. Uh, the fridge had both the head of Fred and Edwina in the bottom crisper drawers. Oh, God. The dismembered remains had been drained of blood and the entrails were missing, as well as the eyes of Fred. Upon the discovery, the two officers called for backup. Investigators arrived on the scene and had found that the house had been mostly scrubbed clean. The only area of the home that they had found blood in was the bathroom. Um, the only one area. There's two areas. Mm-hmm. Um, the bathroom is where they believed the bodies had been dismembered, and Charles's attic bedroom was where they had found trace amounts of blood on the keyhole, as well as a... Uh, <laughs> I said, as well, ass. <laughs> as well that. as a handsaw. Well ass. As well as a handsaw that was believed to be the tool that was used to perform the dismemberment. While most of the bodies were found in the refrigerator, the organs seemingly flushed down the toilet. Oh my god. Uh, some other body parts were also missing and never found. In these Houston low flush toilets? What this the fuck is are the you 60 girls. Didn't mean there's a high flush. <laughs> they had some some powerful toilet. Have you been in a Starbucks before? Yeah, but powerful pe- toilets. Not in the 60s. Because hey. I my apartment that I used to live in was built in the seventies, and so replace the toilet. Well, they'd had to replace a lot more than just the toilet, because I mean the toilet was just like not powered at all. It was just like <laughs> that's what they imagined that okay. the organs were flushed down the toilet. Sure. Um, some body parts were never found, leading some to believe that there was cannibalism involved. Oh boy. Um, because of the labor involved in the draining of the bodies, dismembering, and the cleaning of the home, the police believed that the killer had taken their time and had a working knowledge of human anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, they determined that the murder took place earlier on June 20th, Father's Day. Autopsies show that Edwina's death occurred as a result of a single gunshot wound to the head. Fred, on the other hand, had received a more gruesome fate. Uh, he had been beaten to death with the claw side of a hammer had his eyes and genitalia removed in a manner that was described as vindictive. Uh, In both cases, the murder weapon was not found. Oh, where was Charles in all this? Nobody knows. Oh, he wasn't at the house? No. 
Police oh. issued an all-points bulletin and launched a nationwide search. Author- authorities, uh, authorities checked nearby airfields to see if anyone matching his description had left the area by plane. Nothing turned up. And, a, uh, and the fact that he was so reclusive made it so that there was virtually no trail to follow. He had no frequented places, no friends, nothing. Nothing at all? Nothing. Oh, boy. Well, he also hadn't left the house, so... And he quit his job in 1957. It's 1965 now. Oh, wow. In the following weeks, months, years, they had virtually no leads. In 1975, Charles was declared legally dead in absentia in order to probate his estate. So, lost. They had to declare him dead. Um, There are a couple theories as to what happened to Charles, but they all include the fact that it can be said with relative certainty that Charles murdered his parents. Oh, my gosh. In a book titled The Man on the Grassy Knoll by John R. Craig and Philip A. Rogers, Charles Rogers was described as a CIA agent who likely impersonated Lee Harvey Oswald in Mexico City along with Charles Harrison, Mm -hmm. who was one of the two shooters involved in the assassination of President Kennedy. The authors allege that Rogers, Harrelson, and Chauncey Holt were the three tramps arrested in Dealey Plaza following the assassination. Yes, three tramps. Mm-hmm. So and that means we had to find out who the third tramp is, because we talked about two Holt. of them. Oh, well, I mean, we had to research him, is what I'm saying. That's the next one. Yes. <laughs> um, and Rogers murdered his parents because his mother had been tracking his phone calls. In the account by Rogers, uh, uh, he fled to Guatemala. Guatemala. Hell yeah, let's go vacation. So, um, many critics describe this book as not being, uh, not having sufficient sources and being excessively leading in thought. However, conspiracy theorists uh, regard this as a cult classic. Uh, another vein of thought: uh, there are theories from Hugh and Martha Gardinier. Native Who are the neighbors? Right? No, no. Who are they? They're just native Houstonians. Okay. Um, and forensic accountants who encountered the investigation in 1997. So this is many years after yeah, the yeah. murder actually happened. 30 years. Yeah. Um, they believe that the Rogers did kill his parents and fled to Honduras where he believed where they believed he was killed. While they disagree with the f- theories of Craig and Rogers, they do believe that Charles was in communication with the CIA when he worked as a seismologist. They believe that the motive for the crime was much more personal. They suggest that Rogers uh, had planned the murder for of his parents as for years as vengeance. His father was abusive, and both parents were devious con artists. According to the Gardiniers, Fred Rogers worked as a bookie and often engaged in Ill- illegal activities, such as gambling and fraud. They believed that Rogers' parents were uh, stealing large sums of money from him. Okay. Uh, after killing his parents, the Gardeniers say that he fled to Mexico and uh, was never found due to his powerful allies met through the oil industry and through his ham radio operatives. Well, I was going to say, so he worked for nuclear stuff or learned nuclear stuff at the beginning mm-hmm. and also made shit tons of money working for the oil industry in the for 70s, Shell. like in 60s and 70s. Like that was like a booming time before yep. like de- the downturn. 50s in, and 60s. Yeah. The, be- before the downturn in like 1978 was in America. America, but like that's a shit. You worked for oil. You had yeah. money, baby. You so of course I can believe CIA connections because I mm-hmm. mean he had lots of intelligence at that point. Um, I mean, I I, I I would believe this <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah, I mean the main thing that I believe is that he definitely murdered his mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's everyone else too. Yeah, um, the Gardeniers theorize that he eventually made it to Honduras, where he was killed in an argument with miners over a wage dispute. Oh, so Lord. he was like running in line. Um, they published their book in 2003 uh, titled The Icebox Murders. 
Houston Press reviewed the book and described it as, quote, The Icebox Murders is a written as fact-based fiction and supposition. Mm. There are many unnamed characters in the book, various politicians and attorneys, as well as eyewitnesses, who said that uh, he saw Rogers in Honduras after 1965. So they, the Gardiniers were trying to make this like research thing happen. It didn't ever happen. Yeah. Well, they were they were researching it. Okay. And they were more. Uh, they found more than the FBI and the CIA. Apparently. That's not possible. <laughs> uh, Publishers Weekly also weighed in on the novel as fact-based fiction. Uh, in all, the crimes are still open to this day. They're considered a cold case. Um, the home in question lay vacant until 1972 when it was torn down and the lot was empty until 2000 when they put up some townhomes. Oh. Uh, that's, uh, I drove by the Candyman areas hey, and that's baby. terrifying to me because <laughs> there's a whole string of just like these nice, beautiful townhomes. Like that's all I'm going to go knock on the door and be like, haunted. excuse <gasps> me. Do you, uh, do you know that somebody was murdered you, on this plot of land? Do you have ghosts? I want to know. We need to see. <laughs> <laughs> Can I come over here at 2 a.m.? <laughs> I just need to know. I oh, love well. that. Well, that's our podcast. Yes. Uh, we have to give a shout out to, well, we already gave a shout out earlier um, because <laughs> Spencer was like, whoa, what's happening? Um, to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff again uh, because we love our sister podcast so much and also come to our sissy hour next week and listen to us talk. Yes. You want to follow them? That's Let's Talk About Gay Stuff at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff.com. Let's Talk About Gay Stuff on Instagram. Let's Talk About Gay Stuff on Facebook. Talk Gay Stuff on Twitter. And uh, that's it. That's it? Yeah. That's it. Um, of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Economy Works, mm-hmm. a freelance talent network that connects professionals with project work. If you're a company that needs help with writing job descriptions, conducting marketing analysis, managing your social media platforms, Economy Works. They have a talent network of uh, freelance professionals ready to help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, the Economy Works! Find out more at economyworks.com. That's E-C-O-N-O-M-I-W-O-R-K-S.com. Oh, I got it that time. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, hang out with us all the time. We're Our Spoopy Podcast. Our Spoopy Podcast on uh, ourspoopypodcast.com. And on Instagram, Our Spoopy Podcast. On Twitter, Our, our Spoop. B. <laughs> and on Facebook, it's Our Spoopy. Yeah. But you just want to drop us a line. It's like, hey, Spencer, hey, Chris. Rspoopypodcast at gmail.com. Do yes. it. Do it. That's S-P-O-O-P-Y. Yes. Spoopy. Um, also, listen to our, our Rupee podcast and also give us all the thoughts because we are two gay men that think we know about drag when we really don't know all there is about drag. So let us know. Uh, respond back. Be like, hey, what's up? You guys are wrong. Let me tell you a thing. Love you. Love you. Love you a minute. Uh, well, we, we got to go watch our Rupee podcast right I now. I mean, really? So should we... Just say, get, get spoopy, spoopy with, with it? it? 